Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where the force is with us, hopefully. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Nice. Today, we're talking about Star Wars a little bit. We're going to talk about getting into Star Wars. And this is kind of a topic that came out of, I know we talked about it, we just touched on it barely in one of our other episodes. But one of our listeners, Chocobo Chica, has been doing this run through the entire Star Wars series. And she had never watched one in her life. And... She just thought it was very unapproachable, and she's one of the people that I talk to on Twitter a lot, and I'm, like, so glad that we've become friends because of this show and other shows that we listen to that we found each other through, but it it took a bunch of talking back and forth to kind of convince her to even give it a try, and after that, she's been chronicling her journeys by talking about being a Jedi noob and kind of like almost live tweeting each movie as she watched it, which has been super interesting. And then a bunch and they're of, super uh, funny too. I love the gifts that are being used through a lot of it. That yes. uh, just to see the reactions of somebody who doesn't know it is fantastic. And then some other people, and then other listeners, and people that don't even listen to the podcast jumped into it too, and it was like a bigger discussion that was really really interesting to have. So. I thought that we should talk about it a little bit because like I said, it took a lot of like talking and convincing and it was surprising to me. But when I stepped back and I thought about it, it kind of made sense. So that's that's kind of our topic for today is how do you even get into Star Wars? Is it approachable? All that kind of thing, right? Yeah, and it blows my mind to think about it because so many things about my life have revolved around Star Wars and it's just been a mainstay that when people tell me that they've never seen it or that they're kind of intimidated by it, I'm like, but it's Star Wars. How can you? It's it's like the most wonderful thing in the world. It's the most wonderful thing in the galaxy. How How can this be? And it just, it really does just kind of take me by surprise. But, you know, talking to her and talking to a bunch of these other people who have never seen it, and after The Force Awakens came out talking to people, I do totally understand why people are hesitant to jump in because of so many super fans that, that really make it seem unapproachable. Yeah, and it's it's not even like that there are super fans because you will find super fans of really any kind of media property out there, games, movies, books, anything. Everything has its own super fans. Right. It's just that like it's such a huge fan base that there are so many super fans in a way that it's it's hard to find any equivalent outside of Star Wars for like how many people are such big fans of this universe and this series and the expanded universe and all of that kind of thing. So it's kind of like a combination of big fan base, like you were talking about with the super fans. And I also think that part of it is that it has this big history too that feels a little unintuitive. And some of it is because of the way that the movies were created. And it's, it's like... Uh, we should we should probably talk about it because we're going to talk about like which trilogy versus which other trilogy and stuff here in a little bit. So if you don't know, the first movie that came out was Star Wars. But retroactively, and the way that we talk about it now, it's called Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. So the very yes. first movie that was made was the fourth one, which is weird. So these are the movies that were made in the 70s and the 80s, and that was four, five, and six. So it was A New Hope, and then it was Empire Strikes Back, and it was Return of the Jedi. That is collectively known as the original trilogy. Or if you just talk to a lot of people on the street, it's Star Wars. That they don't tend to include the prequels or really think about it. It's just when they say Star Wars, it's the ones with Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewbacca. They don't necessarily even take into account the prequel ones as being another trilogy or part of the main series they they're talking when they just say star wars it's those originals from the 70s and 80s yeah and i'm finding that less now because we've had episode seven come out and we've had star wars you know the rogue one a star wars story come out and we'll talk about those a little bit too but you're right that was kind of like that was how a lot of people thought about it before was those three core movies that original trilogy so that was episode four five and six and then Years and years and years later, once I think it was 1999, like it was right around the 2000s when the prequel trilogy came out. So this was episode one, two and three. So it's in the Star Wars timeline. It's before those other movies. But in like our timeline for movie releases, it's after. So this is one of those things where it's like if you're a fan of the series, you just understand it intrinsically. But if you're not, it makes the whole thing so much more confusing because you're like, well, what order do I watch them in? And someone might say, oh, just watch them, you know, like 
in numbered order. And someone else might say, no, 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 watch them in release order based on the year they came out. And then you're talking about like episodes and then you start like abbreviating them because all of them have titles that mm-hmm. are a little bit longer. And it's like, what are you even talking about? And then people just get turned off and kind of like they're like, nope, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, you read something online and it refers to ESB or ANH and then, you know, TFA and ROTJ. And it's like, what are these things that these nerds are saying? And you just walk away. Yeah. And it's kind of like it can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. And it can no, be not at all. No, it can be approachable, but a lot of the time people don't like lay it out that way. So I thought that we could talk about like a couple ways to approach Star Wars if you've never seen a movie before. Um, But in general, I think to keep in mind to make it like approachable for yourself, this is it's one of those series where like you can make it your own. You can choose to go like as deep or as shallow into this series as you want. You know, you can watch Mm -hmm. one movie and be good. You could watch like, you know, you could watch the spinoff movie and never have watched anything else. Like you could watch Rogue One and that could be your only touch point for it if you choose for it to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you could be like I am and I read every single novel that comes out in the expanded universe because I just I love this universe and I want all the context and I want all the stories. And I watch like I've watched the animated shows and I, I watch and consume as much Star Wars stuff as possible like i'm even up to date with the comics at the moment which is crazy for me not even being that much of a comic person so there are extremes here that you can take it to i would just encourage people to like make it your own and i'm the same as you only just like one level down where i watch all of the cartoons i make sure that i keep up with uh some of the books i pick and choose which books i read because i don't read nearly as much as you do i since mine's only before bed and i don't have a commute anymore i don't listen to them on audio like i used to so i only pick the best of the best ones to be able to read and i tend to play the video games when they come out that kind of thing when they're story based uh, or I did before LucasArts uh, went out of business and uh, and kind of got merged into Disney and so I don't do everything like you do. I don't haven't read a lot of the short stories these days, but I make sure that I keep up with actually what happens in those and read a lot of synopses and then if they sound fantastic, I tend to go back and read them and experience them firsthand. Yeah, and at this point, you almost use me as a filter because you know that I I will, like, consume it and let you know if it's worth your time or not. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, and used to just be asking a bunch of randos on Twitter or looking at Wikipedia or doing, like, things like that just to see. And now I have two friends, you and Austin specifically, who I ask, who read a lot more of the EU. Well, I guess it's not even EU anymore, a lot of the written material. And uh, I can basically figure out you guys know what i like and what i won't so i just kind of uh, let you i just let you censor everything for me censor my life <laughs> i would think it's not even censoring filter but, but yeah, yeah yeah filter it just just I, y'all can be my 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 mental brita filters yeah so i would just say embrace the parts of it you like and don't worry about the rest because it doesn't matter like it, it matters to me but it doesn't actually matter right these are the things that like you can just take the parts you like and it, it, I don't know, just just make them your own. Embrace those. So and I mean, you can do that with the cartoons as well, like Rebels. I know you and I have talked about liking different episodes of the TV show. Oh, yeah. that like I know that for a lot of people that if you like some episodes of Rebels, then there are a, there's a good chance that you're going to hate a bunch of the others because it's it's a full 22 episode season or maybe even longer that might be 24 that covers both side stories and like main mythology episodes that has a story arc through it i stole that from x files i don't even know what they call it in particular but there's the jedi story that's being told and then there's the universe at large or the galaxy at large story that's being told you can look up and see which episodes are which and if you don't want any of those side stories but you think that kanan and ezra and the jedi stuff is really cool then you can just watch those and not really miss out on it and i've done that with not this show but other shows where i'm like i don't care about the filler i just want to know the main the main through line and sit down and watch it so that's always an option if you like certain aspects of the tv shows or of the universe because i could care less i could not care 
any less about the clones and the military aspect of a lot of this stuff. It's just... Yeah, and I, I did that it. for a lot of the Clone Wars animated series. Yeah. Like, I would use that in the background while I was doing other things. And then when I got to a like a mini arc that was really good or characters mm-hmm. that would really that were really good, I would sit down and like watch those with like all of my attention. And then when it would jump over to like the next little story arc, I would again, it would be like a background thing while I'm playing the game or doing something else. So, yeah, it, it totally you can even go like episode by episode, story arc by story arc. All that kind of thing is totally viable. So I want to talk about like the main core movies and the way to approach those because everything outside of that is like extra it's kind of like after you find out if you like the movies or not then you can think about all these other things we're talking about like the tv shows the animated series comics books all of that but the core of it are the movies so the the way that you're going to hear to watch it the most often is to watch the original trilogy again that's episode four five and six and then watch the prequel trilogy if you're still interested enough to watch the prequel trilogy and then jump ahead to like episode seven some people might even say watch that original trilogy and then just go right into episode seven and ignore the prequels that's kind of the most common thing that you'll hear i think yeah it is the other way that you would hear is watch it in episode order start with episode one and just do them numerically one all the way through seven and then you get the yeah i know you're shuddering already then you get the story in the order that it happened in the universe even though it's not the order that the movies were made again you'll hear that one a lot it's it's totally viable it's fine the one that i always push forward on people now is the machete order which is a little bit more confusing but i think it actually makes for a better movie watching experience it tells a better story in terms of uh, narratologically co- being narratologically cohesive. The machete order makes the most sense. Yes. So in this one, you start with the first Star Wars movie that was ever made. So you're watching episode four, A New Hope, and you're basically starting with Luke's story. So you watch A New Hope and you watch Empire Strikes Back. So episode four and five, you get the first part of Luke's story. You kind of see the majority of his character arc. Then you go back and you start with episode two, and you watch episode two and three. So you're watching Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And that is Anakin's story arc. They kind of follow similar trajectories in enough ways that they're almost, they're not parallel stories, but there are things to be drawn from each of them when you watch them this way. Mm-hmm. And then you watch Return of the Jedi, which is episode six, and that ties their stories together, and it gives a nice conclusion to everything that you just watched the last four movies that you have just watched all tie together in episode six and then i'm assuming that the machete order is now adding the force awakens to the end of it just to push that story that has wrapped up into the next generation i haven't actually seen anything that machete is pushing or updated like that but i'm only assuming that's the way it is yes and that would make total sense i would think you would watch that order of movies those five and then you would jump over into episode seven so you might notice that you skip a movie in there and that's because you don't actually need it and we'll talk about that here in a second but that machete order does not include episode one so it also saves you like two hours of your life not i mean you know if you want to you can go back and watch it later we'll talk about that in a second but it's something interesting about the machete order is that you just episode one gets totally cut out honestly one other thing that i wanted to put forward i think and this is just me personally I think the best way to get into Star Wars, if you are someone who's never seen it, might be to just watch The Force Awakens. Oh, it's not just you. It's me, too. And I, yeah, I think this because it is a modern movie. It has modern pacing, modern production values. It has modern writing. Um, Yep. It's it's a really, really good movie. I'm pretty sure it's my favorite out of all the Star Wars movies also Mm -hmm. up to date. Yep. We'll see if, you know, episode eight outdoes that here next year. But for the moment, episode seven is my favorite. Because of all those reasons, and because it's almost, it's like the launch of a new generation of people in the Star Wars universe, it's a perfect onboarding point. Like, you don't actually need all the context from the other ones. If you have that context, it will add to it, no doubt. Yes. But you don't need it at all. 
No, not at all. And I mean, my wife had seen Star Wars before The Force Awakens came out. And when we watched The Force Awakens, though, when we went to the theater, that's when she became all in. And she got really excited because of, like you said, there's the modern movie pacing, there's the modern writing, the values in production, that just all of this together on top of the new characters who weren't already part of this cultural like consciousness where there's Luke Skywalker and you know what Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader are pretty much even if you've not seen Star Wars you're aware that he is Luke's father it's not going to be a surprise at this point and I mean the movies are 50 years old for goodness sake and then you have Rey and it's like all of a sudden there's this new generation of people to be attached to her that we're all invested and want to know where it goes together so there's the communal part of that like the originals had with between 77 and 80 and Empire Strike or A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and she is I mean she has Rey Funko Pops and we've found Rafe action figures and stuff like that where she is super excited about Star Wars because of The Force Awakens and it's it's because of the story that it's telling and how it's telling it so I've actually told people that over the last year they're like you know I, there's just so many Star Wars movies I don't even you know I, I don't want to watch six movies before I watch this one I'm like don't watch six movies just go watch this one it's better than any of the other six and i love the other five of the other six and <laughs> it's uh well actually i think i love four of the other six and tolerate one and hate the other and uh but it's just it's a better movie so really start with the force awakens like podcast over watch the force awakens <laughs> and i i mean i wouldn't say that there there are people that are going to appreciate like how Star yeah. Wars grew up alongside cinema. And like, oh, absolutely. If, if you are, uh, you know, a student of film history at all, Star Wars itself is amazing for what it did for filmmaking and special effects. Yeah. And like ILM, which is Industrial Light and Magic, like that is, it, it's still, you know, the bleeding edge of like CG and graphics and special yep. effects and all that. And it all came out of the original production for the original Star Wars movie. And like as much as people hate George Lucas for things that he did later in life and like not things he did, but the movies that he made, right? Like the <laughs> prequel trilogy. And, well, and I, the things he did to the original trilogy, I yeah, suppose. And you know, I have issues with those too, but you cannot take away what he did for filmmaking as a no. medium when he was creating that original trilogy. So there are a lot of other things to consider, but I, I just wanted to float it out there as a like a possibility, right? If all of these different like combinations and the fact that it's six movies or five movies if you do machete order, if any of that sounds too intimidating, if it sounds like too much work, skip it. Just just go get The Force Awakens. It's only like two hours, just like any other movie, and that will give you a really good feel for if you like Star Wars enough to get in deeper. Oh, and it takes place a generation after the original trilogy. It takes place 30-odd years afterward. So, yes, there's some of the same characters in there, but it's an all-new story that you don't have to have any of the story and the nuance from the original trilogy. Yeah, like you said, it helps, but there's nothing that you will not understand at all other than uh, a couple of things. No, 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 you're right. There's nothing that you will not understand if you just start with The Force Awakens. Yeah, no, I mean, you would have added context if you watch the other ones, but you don't need right. to. And, like, this is actually where I got my kids into Star Wars. Like, I tried the original trilogy because I love those movies, and they, they just didn't really care that much. I mean, you know, they're movies made in the 70s and 80s. They just have a totally different feel than movies mm -hmm. made today. And then... I was like, okay, well, we'll go towards the prequel trilogy. We'll try that. You know, it's very, like, kid-friendly, the first couple movies anyway. And it's very, you know, CG-heavy, and it's kind of closer to modern movie making, and they just didn't care about that either. And then The Force Awakens came out, and I was sitting there watching it one night, and my daughter just sat down and watched it with me. And it was like, awesome. okay, this is, this is their onboarding point to Star Wars. They care about these characters and this kind of filmmaking and that's fine. Like Star Wars to them is basically just episode seven and it's totally legit. Like I'm so happy with it because now they're into it, you know? Right. And that's like you said, that's totally legit. That's totally valid because the, the franchise is so big that 
Yeah, you can love that. And that's the whole thing I know about the podcast. Just love what you love and don't worry about the other stuff. I mean, Star Wars is so huge. It's like, I don't love Rogue One, and that's okay. I mean, it's not diminishing Star Wars for me to absolutely not like one of the movies. Yeah. Two of the movies. I really like it. And I mean, let's talk about Rogue One for a second. Like, when do you watch this in the order, right? If you go and you, you look at, yeah, you would say never. I would say it fits perfectly between episode three and it four. does so it depends if you're going to watch them in numerical order you might want to throw that one in there just because it's really good probably you want to wait until you've seen all the other ones and then come back to this one as a side story because that's really what it is but mm-hmm. it's it's a different genre of film it's almost like a tone piece and a character piece and it's mm-hmm. not part of the saga which you know has gone through all of the episode like the numbered episode ones this is the first one that's kind of to the side and you don't need it at all but i love the movie anyway so yeah, it's episode 3.8 kind it's of, like yeah. episode 3.8 like kai omega like tau dream drop distance galaxy gloop or whatever if we're going with kingdom hearts numbering oh man it's a uh, but but really, that's where it is. I mean, it's not 3.5. It's right before episode four. But yeah, if you're going numerical order, absolutely watch Rogue One in there. I mean, it's going to give a whole lot of context that will, I do think, will enhance episode four for you on the first viewing. Probably, yeah. And I would say for the most part, you can probably wait on Rogue One and just watch yeah. it after you've watched the whole, you know, main numbered ones that you're interested in. But it is it's it's a really cool film. I like it, even though I know Beach doesn't. Um, but besides that, we should also talk about the elephant in the room that is episode one. And you yeah. have a lot more feelings about it than I do, so I'm gonna go first. Okay. Um, I look at it these days, I look at it as like a bonus side story, the same way that I look at Rogue One, except it's much, much, much worse than that movie. And I would recommend if you do watch episode one, watch it after you've watched literally everything else you're interested in because if anything is going to turn you off of the series it is going to be this movie Um, oh yeah i would definitely say watch rogue one before you watch episode one like it's just i i don't think this movie represents star wars in a way that is going to draw people into it so okay that's that's my piece you go ahead okay i think there that i will I will bounce off of one of the things that you said and just kind of springboard with it because I do think that there are a couple of things in episode one that are representative of Star Wars because there are really fun scenes that you can watch completely out of context that do indicate what Star Wars is. It does have a really cool lightsaber fight. Yes, the lightsaber fights, if that's your thing, the choreography between Darth Maul, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan, you know, you and McGregor, Ray Park and uh, Liam Neeson, they're fantastic. That those are so well done and put together that if that's your thing, that if that is what you like about Star Wars are, you know, space knights with laser swords, watch episode one sword fights because they are great. And also John Williams' score is phenomenal. Episode one has an absolutely stellar score, and I don't care anything about like if whatever the rest of the movie is, Duel of the Fates is probably still my favorite song from Star Wars that it really does still get me pumped up. Like I can run to it. It's on my running playlist. Like I love the music in episode one. I do not disagree with anything you've said so far. Other than that, there are really very few redeeming factors of this movie, and the main one being that there's not really any story here. It's that, like, you know, you have the narrative arc of, of the inciting incident, you know, the rising action, the climax resolution, all of this, the traditional Aristotelian uh, uh narrative arc it does not exist that there is no inciting incident here you start out with a trade negotiation and then it's the same problem that happens in episode two is that there is a series of vignettes that are chronologically connected to one another that don't push any kind of narrative along there is nothing forcing the characters forward really it's we're having trade negotiations And for a movie that is 
uh, trying to honestly at that point in time in 1999 was trying to get a new audience and and in get kids to invest in it. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, there was some weird stuff. Yeah, Jar Jar was in it, and he was funny to kids, all of this. But how do you make a story that you're aiming at kids about a trade blockade and sending in ambassadors? Like, it, there, there is no cohesive narrative here, and they, they do enough in there with the characters that make you intrigued, and George Lucas isn't a good enough writer or director to have pulled out that substance and instead went for the... Uh, shallowness of lightsaber fights and CG, which actually worked really well for for what they were out of context. Yeah, and- I mean, I would jump in here just from like a production side. George Lucas, when he's on his own, which is what happened with the prequel trilogies, and I don't want to bash right. on the prequels for long here, but I just, right. I think this is kind of an interesting thing about it. He had so much freedom by the time that he got to the prequels because he made so much money off of the original ones that he didn't yes. have anyone to answer to. So he could do whatever he wanted with these movies. So whereas the other ones, he would do the initial like story treatment and like initial script. It went through tons of like rewrites and script doctors and people yes. who were so much better than him at refining these things. And by the time he got to the prequels, all he had around him were yes men because yeah. he was the guy in charge. Like the buck stopped with him, right? He was the ultimate decision maker and he is not good at writing dialogue and he's not good at shooting interesting dialogue scenes so every time it's two people just talking to each other it is like the most cut and dry film school 101 you know tv (laughs) production 101 you do an over-the-shoulder shot towards the other person you do it from both angles and you just have them talk at each other like yeah you're absolutely right it's like that every single time in the prequels and it's horrible like you learn to do that when you were learning video production that's like a 101 level class. Like, honestly, that's what you that do. Is, and yeah, that's before 101. I took a film, like we did a film workshop at the library a few months ago. And that's one of the things that we learned in the uh, in those workshops was how to film a conversation using over the shoulder shots. Yeah, because that is the easiest and most, uh, I don't want to say amateurish. It's just like. It's, it's the most accessible to someone without the skill set to do anything more complicated. Yeah, and as soon as you see it, you can't unsee it. And that's part of the problem is like that's all they ever do when two people are talking in the whole prequel trilogy, right? There's no people like moving around while they're doing other things and having inter- interesting dialogue while there's action. Like it's yeah. I mean, the action scenes are good, the special effects are good, but the core narrative, it just it suffers right. so much. And I think because of that, because of where I come from and with the characters, that episode one is a waste of time to watch in its entirety because it adds absolutely nothing because there's no real story or character development there that you don't pick up in like three lines of dialogue in episode two. Yes. Yeah, that's and that's exactly what like Machete Order is all about. You cut out episode one because you don't need it. You get all of the context just inferred in episode two and you don't actually miss out on anything other than cool lightsaber fights and a couple of cool songs that you can find on youtube now yeah and the pod race but i mean again those are we're talking about the special effects and the action sequences like you can watch all of that on youtube it'll take you like 20 minutes and you'll get the best parts of it you don't have to actually watch the whole thing so absolutely that's our little tangent about episode one um the other thing is that like on the horizon here we have other star wars story movies and we also have episode eight coming up and like with those, just watch the ones you're interested in, right? Like, if you get invested in the main saga stories and you like Episode 7, go watch Episode 8. Support it in theaters. Be part of the conversation with us next time because we will be geeking out about it, you know? A lot. Yeah, a lot. A lot. And with the Star Wars story movies, we know the Han Solo one is coming up next. Yep. And then after that, we have a bunch of rumors, maybe Boba Fett, maybe Obi-Wan, which would be amazing. That but would be so good. It oh, would man. Be. But with those... Who knows? I mean, just watch the ones you're interested in, you know, and just support I mean, it that way. 
Yeah, I mean, so you're going to have to look at each individual movie because Rogue One was a war movie, and that's not my thing. That's why I didn't care for it. That is your thing, and it was exactly what you wanted. I think the Han Solo was going to be great for me because one of my favorite genre mashups in the world is a straight-up space western. And yeah, Star Wars is space western, but it mixes in a lot of other stuff like samurai movies. The Han Solo one is going to be a western, and they've said that, so I'm really excited about that. That. And, and I know there are other people westerns at all. Exactly. So when you get into that, where you're dealing with those genre conventions on their own, you may not like it as much. And yeah. you know, you may be you know telling people never to watch it. And I know you wouldn't do that because you're not as cut and dry as I am. But yeah. Um, but but really, I mean, they're not going to be for everybody. But there are still people like you and me who are going to watch all of them. And there are going to be people who only pick and choose where you're like, Oh no, I hated Han Solo. I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch that. Yeah. So again, just don't be intimidated. If you really, really, really want the easiest place to start, just go watch episode seven. And if you take any of our advice at all and you jump on with any of these methods, let us know because I'm super curious and I love to talk to people about star Wars. So with that, it is time for our geeky offer of the week. Um, you can go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast and get a free book. It helps us out. And then you guys also get a free book, which is why I love this deal. It's so good. Um, book recommendation this week from me, I'm going to put up a Star Wars book since we're talking Star Wars anyway. <laughs> of course. I would say listen to Lost Stars. And it's because Lost Stars is one of my absolute favorite Star Wars books ever. And it's also one of the ones in the new canon. So it is included in the current universe. You know, when they wiped out the old extended universe when Disney took over, this is after that. So it's a really good one to listen to. And the production quality is always really high in Star Wars books in terms always. of like... They're so good. Yeah, they have sound effects and they have background sounds and like soundscapes and tons of stuff going on underneath the story. So yeah, check out Lost Stars if you're interested in a Star Wars book. It's a really good place to start. And again, you can get it for free at audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast And I want to throw in a second on this because if you are a fan of Rebels and you haven't read any of the books, the very first one under the new Disney label, uh, the new Disney label was called A New Dawn. And it is about when Kanan and Hera first meet and uh, as a prequel to Rebels. It is a decent book, but if you're a character person like I am and really like those two people, then listening to A New Dawn was an absolutely fantastic way to pass the time for me. So that one is also very good to get at audibletrial.com slash geek to geekcast Nice. And with that, it's time for our Week the Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. Do you have a Persona 4 update, or has it all been uh, Zelda? It has all been Zelda. Well, not all Zelda, but I have not touched Persona 4 since Zelda, because my life has been Zelda, 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 um, Zelda. It's so good. Like, I still haven't beat it. Like, I know you went through and got the Divine Beasts and and finished off the game, uh, but I still haven't even finished off the fourth beast. I've been just wandering around, upgrading my stuff, searching for shrines, hunting dragons, and, and just enjoying myself. It has been phenomenally, like, fun and just enjoyable to go explore and see stuff in there. I found an area the other day where I was just running along and there was a family of three giants that I had to end up killing for things and uh, going and setting up a shrine in one area and putting their little jewels on the altars and I was just like, this is awesome and I had to kill, it was basically like the three bears there was a, or was it the three bears? I don't remember my fairy tales where it was like an older one, a younger one, and a middle one and they were each harder as you went up and it was so cool like just stuff like that has kept me from the main narrative of zelda so far there's so much to find in that game like so much i played it a little bit this week but i i'll talk about it here in a second but i kind of moved on to some other things but i mean every time i sit down with that like i just 
I pick an area where I haven't uncovered a whole lot of things or an area that I'm like, huh, that's an interesting name for an area. I'm going to go walk over there. And it's like, I don't even make it there before I find interesting things because there's so much to do that you just run into on your way to the place that you're trying to get. Yep, exactly. And that's kind of why I haven't been doing a whole lot other than other than that. Uh, My wife and I have been since we have a Wii U, we, we also have been playing Mario Kart again, which, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times that we've brought Mario Kart on on our honeymoon and so it, it's very special to us to spend time together we we learned how to do that and it was really the first video game that she had ever played was mario kart wii and so we got it out playing it again i've just been having a really good time and jennifer is one of the few people who still consistently really hardcore plays mario run on her phone and like she's playing it every day like she loves super mario run and she is really good at it she has gotten to the point where she blows me out of the water and like toad rallies and the number of toads that she can collect in a rally and so we have the wii hooked up again and so we put in new super mario brothers which was like a it it was a schism between us and our marriage uh (laughs) when we played it together it was like my anger issues and her inability to play mario like could not coexist they were mutually exclusive so we had to stop playing it like we got to world five like five three or something and we had to make a conscious decision to stop playing new super mario brothers we together so we pulled it out she's been playing mario run so she's like i wonder how i am at real mario and the answer to that is terrible (laughs) it is like the first Goomba kills her over and over and over. And like, I'm laughing at this and she's laughing at this because it is so different than the iOS version of it. And that's what she's used to, not regular Mario like we are. And so it is so much fun for me to sit there and watch someone discover how to play Mario. And like, I wanted to live stream, but I thought about Facebook living this of her literally leaping into the first Goomba in this game over and over and over again and just laughing about it because it was not intentional she couldn't hit the question mark blocks because you had to be under them so far and she was used to mario run where you could take the running leap and angle it and she wasn't used to the angles that you had to do in a normal mario game and it never dawned on me exactly how different those play styles were because i adapted to mario run so quickly because of my history with mario and she did not do the other way and it's just so fun watching her learn how to get better at mario and uh, not be so hesitant and be able to just barrel forward like it's been so much fun dude that's so great that's super interesting too to watch somebody like as they discover it i mean that's one of the things with my kids that has been very fun is like you know you can only tell someone so much about a game and give so many tips at some point you just have to sit back and watch and give them hands-on time with it and they figure it out and it's really hard for me to sit there and watch and i found myself that as it goes she'll be i'm like jump 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 and i'll tell her exactly when to jump to get her through hard times like that like harder part of like, jump 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 hold jump and it's just super funny that uh, i can't stop i've had to like literally put my hand in my mouth to bite down on my on my fingers so that i didn't say anything before like to try to like just you got to step back bj you just got to step back you know and uh, so yeah that's been super fun we we've also been uh, finally getting back to re-watching buffy have you watched buffy i can't remember buffy kinda, the vampire slayer kind of i tried and i didn't watch it when it came out so right. i had a lot of trouble like getting into it because it's very much a 90s show yes and so what I, even though what most I of it up, came out in the 2000s it, 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 it still, still feels like a 90s, such show. a 90s show like what i ended up doing was i watched all of the first season and then mm. i watched part of the second season enough to get to the point where i was like i like these characters but i can't do the monster of the week stuff when it's filler so yeah i looked up a bunch of episode guides that talked about all of so I combined like five or 10 different episode guides and I made okay. like a giant combination list. So I hit all of the episodes that were important to the story arcs that weren't filler. And then I yeah. also hit all of the ones that were just listed as best episodes, even if they didn't Excellent. drive the story forward. So 
I have watched Buffy, but only in that very specific way. And I think there's one season that I barely even saw any of because it just didn't make the cut for that list, which was really funny. I want to say it was like the one where they're in college or something. Four. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Season Season four has some really good moments in there's, it, but it does I think not have a, an episode in season four, the one where they're in college and it's like a different male guy that she's interested in, like Riley. Yeah, yeah whatever. I don't know. Um, yeah. And there is one episode in there that is one of my favorite Buffy episodes ever, which I'm not going to remember the name of it. It's the one with like silence. Oh, uh, yeah, Hush. Hush, thank Hush. you. Yep. Hush is the only episode that ever got an... Uh, I can't remember if it won an Emmy or if it got an Emmy nomination, but I think it won the Emmy. Yeah. And uh, two... I want to say it was for sound design. Yeah, my two favorite Buffy episodes would be Hush and then Once More with Feeling, which yeah, is the, the musical, musical episode. episode. And it's just amazing. I love that episode. I'll watch that any day of the week. I've used both of those to teach different things and... Uh, People go back and forth on whether they get the the gimmicks in both of those, but I try to use them to show uh, different parts of storytelling and how you can do it in different ways and how you can incorporate uh, story and conventions and just, but I've used both of those in classes and well, my Hush favorite. Well, is so interesting because yeah. people were like basically giving Joss Whedon a bunch of just like criticism that he relies so heavily on his dialogue and like his fast witty back and forth stuff that like that is all that he can do so he took it as a personal challenge and he wrote an episode without dialogue and that is hush and it's really really good and it may be the like objectively best episode of the series just in terms of how everything like gels together like it's super good there's also the uh the musical episode is great and i don't watch a whole lot of season one and two but i think it's in season four that one of the worst episodes exists it's called beer bad it may even be in one of the earlier episodes um it's widely considered the worst episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that that they ever made called Beer Bad and it is obviously a you know anti-alcohol you know under anti-underage drinking uh, episode and uh it turns out that it is one of the funniest most ridiculous episodes of the series to me because Buffy drinks becomes a cave woman from it like literally like regresses to become a cave woman and her beautiful straight blonde hair becomes crimped like like you took she took a hair crimper to it and i think it is so hilarious that beer and kate that cave women would have crimped hair and not not like disheveled hermione hair literally like 80s crimped hair and it's just so funny it's so ridiculous that it doesn't take itself seriously, and I love stuff that doesn't take itself seriously. You should probably keep reporting back as you watch Buffy, because honestly, we're overdue to talk about Joss Whedon and like a bunch of his yeah. work. And we don't have the time tonight, but we should make the time. And it's the 20-year anniversary of this, so it's got us wanting to rewatch it. We've been doing a couple of other things, and Jennifer just absolutely loves it. She's the one who made me watch it all through the first time. And they're removing it from Netflix, like, next week as we're recording this. It's going off the end. I mean, we have all the DVDs, but it's different, and I'm hoping it's on another streaming service because we're losing a lot of the Whedon shows on Netflix. Yeah, they always crop back up somewhere on one of the streaming yep. services. All of those rights change around all the time. I'm hoping since Fox like has a share of Hulu that it'll still be streaming there. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it'll end up somewhere. Cool, but okay, report back as you watch through because Buffy's interesting. And like I said, oh, we'll, yeah. we'll have to make time for Joss Whedon. I don't know why that's gotten past us until now. Um, I don't understand how it has, yeah, but it has. For me this week, I played a lot of catch-up, like... I didn't do really any comic reading or any like movie watching, TV watching, YouTube watching at all while I was like ever since a week or two before I started my new job. So it's been like two, maybe three months since I've done a lot of these things. And like when I did start getting a handle on my, you know, current like workload and what my day to day routine is like, 
I started playing video games again because it's like that's my main outlet, right? That's my main hobby. Yeah. And then I was so obsessed with Zelda. And this week was a break between Zelda and Mass Effect, which Mass Effect is out right now. And I'm going to play it after I finish editing this episode, right after we record tonight. And so I was just like, okay, let's play catch up a little bit. So I read Wayward and Rat Queens and caught up on them. Wayward's still good. Nothing really new to say about it. Rat Queens kind of rebooted into a new issue one because they got a new writer or artist or something. There was some kind of conflict between the creators. So that was why there was this huge delay. And now it's all worked out and they have a new, I want to say it's a new artist and it's the same writer. It's something along those lines. But anyway, issue one of Rat Queens, like, you know, it's not a, a reboot, but it's just kind of like a new place to start the series. That's out, so I read that, and it was good. Did they get to finish the previous story arc? Kind of. I mean, it kind of wrapped up in an okay place, and this one picks up in a spot that lets you know all of that stuff kind of happened. So it's it's not like they're resetting the universe. It's just like it's a soft reboot, like a soft, you know, new place to start, basically. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That, That makes sense, where I was really worried that they cut the other one and then change directions, which would be very jarring for someone to pick it up and read all the way through. Yeah, not at all. You can definitely see where they kind of like soft reset it, but it's still it's still like right. continuity seems fine. Um, I beat as much as you can beat a mobile <laughs> game Fire Emblem Heroes because I finally finished the last level on Lunatic difficulty. So nice. I'm sure they're going to patch more into the game, but that was the one I was stuck on for a really long time. I'm still playing it every single day. I don't know when that will stop, but I haven't actually missed a day since that game came out. So I'm still playing a wow. lot of Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, and I just, I kind of play it when I take my lunch break at work and I play it for like five or 10 minutes when I'm getting ready in the morning just to wake up my brain. Like I'm not putting the hours into it i was the first week that it was out yeah but i am still consistently playing it so it's kind of interesting that it stayed with me so long um you know that's the way that marvel future fight is with me a mobile game is stuck with me the same way where i never thought it would be but i've logged in every day to do something yeah yeah it's cool when you can find games like that that are like constant you know you keep going back to them and yeah. I think we also were talking about maybe one of these episodes talking about games as a service, which is what a lot of them are moving towards. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes you just find a game that clicks with you and it's a game as a service and it's just constant new stuff, which is cool. But again, that's a that's a bigger topic we can talk about another day. Um, I am playing Shovel Knight again, which I mentioned a little bit last week, and I'm, I'm right. not really replaying it to beat it. I'm just playing it because it's something to play on <laughs> Nintendo Switch. And I love that game. It's still really, really good. And it's kind of like I talked about, you know, my year of trying to replay a little bit more things and rewatch some things that I like. And so going back to Shovel Knight, I think this is the third or fourth time I've replayed it. And I still it's such a good game. I love that game. Have you beaten it? No, I've played it, but I've never beaten it. Okay, that's fine. Um, I have a question, though, since you're going onto the switch and doing the digital games already. How is the e-store right now? It's I weird. Seen, it's it's it? really weird because there aren't that many games, so they don't have a whole lot of filters in it. Like uh, you can see recent releases and you can see upcoming releases, and that's literally the only two buttons in the eShop. Like are there there's no filter by genre or filter by like popularity or voting or like anything like that yeah. because there are so few games on the Switch right now. It's literally just a list of recent ones and a list of upcoming, and it takes you like two seconds to scroll through the whole thing. Oh, man. Do they have the virtual console up? No, not really. Okay. I'm then sure I'm that will I'm honestly glad that I grabbed the Wii U right now instead of the Switch because I'm actually going to be able to play a few more games that I probably would have been able to on the Switch because I didn't think about the eStore being a little bit spare for a while. Yeah, yeah, I hope it catches up, but I I don't know. It's a Nintendo is Nintendo and you just wait yep. and see what they do. Oh um, yeah, and it'll be fine within a month. But by, by the time Mario Kart 8 comes out for it in April, woo, it'll be fine. Yeah, and I was so just another curious. thing I found out this week is that my kids actually prefer the Joy-Cons taken off the sides and held sideways. Like ah. I I talked about letting them do that the other week. Uh-huh. Just to try it out, and after letting them do that for about a week, like there was a night where I I had my system docked and I had like a pro controller out and I had like the puppy head controller set up, you know, the Joy-Con grip controller yeah. set up. And 
they wanted to play something. I think it was Bomberman. So I just, I hit the, you know, the button on those two controllers. I switched it over to the game for them and I just handed them the controllers. And after like five minutes, they're like, can we go back to those controllers on the side again? Huh. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I did, you know, I switched it back for them. But yeah. it uh, it kind of ties back to what I was saying in the Switch episode. Like, it's so appealing for kids to not have so many buttons on such a big control. Like, they really, really like the Joy-Con sideways because it's so approachable and so simple and they don't have to like stop and look at the controller and figure out which button is this again. Uh It's it's super fascinating to watch. So that's just a thing I noticed that I wanted to flag. And you know, I I thought I was going to be the same way whenever I got it. Whenever I get one, I think I'm going to be the exact same way as your kids because they, it looks more appealing to use like that for me. Honestly, we'll see if it actually is for me, but I like the idea of it being just a sideways tiny controller uh, and not really worrying about anything else. Just the, the minimalism does appeal to me. Yeah, it's really cool. And like I said, I haven't played a whole lot like that, but I anticipate as soon as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe comes out on the Switch, I am going to get that, and I feel like my wife and I will play with the Joy-Cons held sideways a lot just in bed at night because we used to play Mario Kart together all the time on the DS, and it would be nice to get back to that as just like a wind-down activity for the night. I will let you know when that comes up because I'm pretty sure it will. Um, That's hilarious to me because when Jennifer and I are playing it, we can't play it too late because it amps her up so much that she won't be able to sleep. You guys use it to wind down and we have to wind down from Mario Kart. That's funny. Um, Okay, so outside of that, like I said, I watched a bunch of stuff. I'm all caught up on all my YouTube series, which if you want to hear what kind of stuff I watch, go like three episodes back when we talked all about YouTube for a whole episode. Um, I finished The Genius Game Season 3. And I was right. The second half of it was much more interesting than the first half. And I was totally invested in the people who were left by the end of it. So now I'm ready to jump over into the Genius Game season four, which is an all star season. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, I haven't started that. Yeah, it should be really good. I'm I'm super looking forward to that. I watched the Assassin's Creed movie. Oh, I've been waiting to hear about this from you. It is not good. But exactly a super fan of Assassin's Creed, which I love all the games. I'm glad I saw this movie one time. But are you? I I am glad I saw it one time. I do not think I will ever rewatch this movie or feel an urge to. And I can't tell you to go spend money on it because I don't know if it's worth any of your money. (laughs) But (laughs) if you've played every Assassin's Creed game like me and you have a way to borrow it or rent it or something without spending your money on it, it'd probably do it just to watch it one time, but only only if you fit the bill for that, right? Like, it's not so, It's not a good movie. As someone who has never played an Assassin's Creed game, don't even you go can't near recommend it. me to even try it? No, don't even go near it. Just, right. No, it's a non-starter. Okay, I watched, <laughs> I watched Moana, which was really, awesome. really good, and I so don't good. think I liked it as much as you, but my wife absolutely loved it, and I really liked the music in it, especially, I could tell... You know, that Lin-Manuel Miranda had his hands mm-hmm. all over that thing because it sounds like him in really interesting Our ways. boy Lin did good. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So I really liked Moana, and I actually watched it twice in two days because my wife and I watched it one night, and then my kids had heard it from upstairs the night oh. before, and they're like, we want to watch Moana again. So we watched it the next night with the kids, and I wasn't sick of it by the second watch which is always a really good sign for me Um, yeah especially when they're that close together too yes exactly so that's a good sign i watched fantastic beasts and where to find them finally how do you feel about that because i want to know how it is i really haven't seen it yet i actually liked it a lot yeah i liked it i liked it more than i thought i did and okay i might have felt different if i spent money to go see it in a theater and it was like you know a big ticket price or something yeah but I thought it was really good. I mean, it it definitely, it's not Harry Potter, you know? It's in the same universe, right. but it's a totally different tone of movie. And I liked it enough that I'll, I'll go see the next one. Like, I didn't see this one in theaters, but now I'm tempted to see the next movie in the series oh, in a theater. So that's nice. probably good, right? Yeah, that's, a, that's high praise. Okay, and then I also watched Passengers. Oh, man, I want Passengers to be so good because it's got some very pretty people in space, but I'm afraid you're going to say it's not worth watching because I don't think it's going to be worth watching. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. Really? But 
there's there's an asterisk here. The first two thirds of this movie was very interesting, and the last third totally drops the ball. Aww. like the first two thirds are it's it's a fascinating look of like long term space travel, long distance space travel, and what can go wrong with systems and um like what happens when you're in isolation because you oh. know like i mean if you don't know this this movie it's like someone wakes up and yeah. they're the only one that wakes up and all of these other passengers and all of these other crew people are still like in status in cryogenic sleep for like 90 more years so the first two-thirds of the movie is like kind of this meditation on what you do in isolation and like how it can get to you and repercussions of your actions in those situations and stuff. Right. And I really liked that part of the movie. And then the last third turned into, I don't know, like a, an, an ex, a third person wakes up that's barely there for any time. And then like the whole ship starts to go down and it's like, you know, we're we going to self-sacrifice to save the ship. Yeah. And it, it turns into it suddenly Hollywood. like it went Hollywood and it became like an action movie and it just it wasn't a good fit for it. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I can recommend it. And I know that the the quote unquote twist of what happens in it that uh, about uh, with character motivation and actions and stuff like that. I don't want to put a spoiler on here, but um, it makes me dislike one of the characters based on what they did. You see, I and, thought that would be how I felt about it. Just reading the synopsis, but actually yeah. watching the movie. I didn't mind it because it's much more about like what isolation can do to you and like why you make okay. the decisions you make. So I felt in context of the story, it is much, much better than just reading the plot. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. I felt that way before I watched it too. Yeah. Um, I have not seen Arrival yet, but I want to, and that might be on the docket for next week because I'm, again, I, I'm still playing catch up. I can't remember if I mentioned it in a geekery whenever we watched it a few weeks ago, but oh my goodness, Arrival is so good that like it is it's the kind of alien movie that i feel like i've always wanted because you save the world with linguistics no don't ruin it don't ruin it i'm gonna listen no, no, i'm gonna no, watch no. it this week no no that's 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 from the trailers okay. don't don't worry i mean the, I the entire really point is linguistics trailers. i've just heard good things don't no don't okay. even trailer me. okay we'll wait till okay. next week okay you got it you got okay. it. okay okay and then the last thing i watched and it's the last thing on my geekery i promise i watched iron fist and Oh man, Iron let me, Fist. Let me preface this before you go. I've been getting texts about Iron Fist and I've been laughing and I love each and every one of them that have come through and I really appreciate you sending them to me. And as you go through this, I, everybody knows that you text me as you're going through and I get to experience the emotional ups and downs. So before you tell about it, I just want to say I loved this stream of tweets, this stream of texts that I got. Like... I just loved it. Guys, Iron Fist is not, it's not good. Like, it's, <laughs> laugh it up. Um, I think it is Netflix, not Netflix, I think it's Marvel's first, like, big miss. And I know that we talked all about the MCU in a past episode, and there are movies that I don't like in the MCU, but I didn't think it was, like, ever a, a huge swing and a miss. I just thought this one didn't work for me, and right. whatever. And Iron Fist just, it's not good. And, like, <laughs> I know there's there's lots of talk going on right now um, about it and, like, cultural appropriation and how you deal with other cultures and martial arts and stuff like that. And I can't speak to any of that because I'm just, I'm not in a position to speak to that at all. Um, but I encourage you, like, go look it up because it's it's fascinating. What I can say, and this is why I didn't like it, it's super boring. Like... <laughs> The story is just boring. The characters, I never cared about a single character, not even by the end of it. And more than half of Iron Fist is trying to be a boardroom drama. It's it's not oh. about the superhero so much as about the company and like the other characters that aren't him that you never care about because they're just bad characters. And I tried to watch this and I couldn't. Like, I, I almost gave up in episode two, but I was like, oh, this would be the only thing in the MCU, you know, and I want the context. Yep. 
Like, so how do I get through this? So I did kind of what I did for Buffy. I looked up a bunch of plot synopsis and I watched the, you know, quote unquote, best parts of every single episode. So I skipped almost all the boardroom stuff and every single boardroom scene that I watched, I was extremely bored. And like it would have if I tried to watch this show without skipping around and jumping ahead, I wouldn't have made it. I would have quit by the end of episode two because I was so bored. And I did watch. I watched all of episode one. I watched most of episode two. And that was the point where I was just like, no, I can't. I just can't. I'm so fed up with this show already. So part of it is the the story. It seems like they have enough story here to do about four good episodes and it's 13 like oh it's super drawn out and then a lot of it focuses around like you know high-tech company boardroom stuff that's not interesting why is that even in a superhero movie and then all of the stuff with him as iron fist it takes him like half the season to even get to the point where he's like using powers and so it's an origin story which already puts you a little bit off anyway but see it was weird because what i wanted to see was his origin story by the by the end of this (laughs) i was like where okay the interesting parts the most interesting parts of this entire season are the ones that show him in his training before he is iron fist like the events that lead up to like you know like his martial arts training and like the situation around i mean iron fist comes from being he he basically like interacts with a dragon this isn't spoilers this is like from the comics right he does some kind of trial with an actual like real life dragon and he survives it, and that's how he becomes the Iron Fist. And, right. like, by the end of it, I wanted to see that. I was like, where is that? That's interesting. Show me that. But they don't. They only ever hint around it. And the other thing that just made this unbearable for me is the style that they had to use for the fight scenes. And I'm pretty sure it's to cover up for the fact that the main actor, which is, I think it's Finn Jones, he cannot Morris Tyrell fight. from Game of Thrones, yeah. right? He can't fight. Like, he is not good at it. So <laughs> they cover it up by using that, like, you know, the super fast cut shaky style. Shaky cam? Not even shaky cam so much as, like, there's a scene that's 30 seconds long that has 52 cuts in it for a fight. Good, good, good night. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff you're dealing with throughout the whole series. That's and just jarring. It is. It's super jarring. And I'm sure that it's there to cover up for the fact that most of it is stuntmen. So you can't right. ever linger on a shot. You can't ever stay on a wide shot and actually watch cool choreography because you would know that it's not the actor. Right. And right. it's it's just a lot of like decisions and how they made it because of the limitations of the actor. And it's, I mean, it's obviously that too, because there are scenes with Colleen Wing where they actually show like more than half a second at a time, you know, because I'm assuming that actress is better at choreography than Finn Jones is. So they can get, a, they can like actually do that. Man, that's, I will eventually probably get to this show and at least try it. But given how much I've heard about just how, like you've said, how boring it is and how uninteresting so much of it is, I don't think I'm going to do, be doing it anytime soon. And I mean, I put off watching Daredevil for a long time and Jennifer thought it was super boring and I really loved it. But I've been kind of hesitant about Iron Fist from the very beginning and pretty much everything that I like predicted that it felt like from the trailers has been confirmed for me through reviews and you and other people. I'm like, yeah, I was right on this one. I I think I'm good. Yeah, I mean, there are scenes, too, where it's just obvious that like Finn Jones must not be a good actor and like... Mm. I'm not a good actor. Like, who am I to talk? But it's it's obvious when you watch it that, like, there are scenes between him and Colleen Wing in particular where she's just, like, carrying the scene. Like, she's putting it all out there, and everything good about the scene is coming from her, and he's just not responding in kind. And it's like, yeah. what are we even doing here? So it's not like Daredevil, where Daredevil, season one didn't work for me, but I saw enough in season one at the core that I was like, there's some really cool stuff here and I'm excited to see what they do with season two. Right. That's how I felt after daredevil season one. And it totally paid off because I loved daredevil season two. Yeah. Um, It was phenomenal. Yeah. And like, I could tell that they knew what they were doing with daredevil season one and that it's just, it wasn't my style and my pacing that I prefer, but that it was still 
good, just not for me. Whereas this one is just not good. Like, I I don't know. I, I don't know who I would recommend this to under what circumstance. And that's always, that's kind of when I see something as bad. Because a lot of the time I can look at, and it's not even just TV, right? It's movies and books and video games. You guys have heard me talk enough now that most of the time, even if I don't like something, I can say it's for you know, X or Y person. Like if you like this or you're into this kind of genre or X, Y, Z, you might like this, even though I didn't, I don't, I don't know what to say about Iron Fist to put it in that context. I don't know who would enjoy this. So yeah, that's, that's kind (laughs) of what I have to say about Iron Fist. And I haven't heard from Rob about this on, from the comment box. And if he's done an episode on Iron Fist, the TV show, I haven't heard. But how does he feel about it? You guys should listen to the episode that's out right now is the one that's like um, pre-Iron Fist where he covers all about, and this is the comic box, which is another Geek Geek podcast, guys. If you don't listen to it, you should. He talked all about how like what Iron Fist is from the comics and from history and from Marvel, right? And it was kind of like getting you ready for the show, just like um, he had me on to talk about when we did Luke Cage. It was the same type of thing. Um, And then next week's episode, which by the time you're listening to this will probably be out like in two or three days after you're listening to to us talk right now, um, that episode should be, I don't know if he's going to do a full review of Iron Fist or like the first half or something, but he'll definitely have reactions to it. And his will be much more nuanced than mine because he has the context for it. And probably hilarious given the way he talks about comic books. Probably, yes. But yeah, I was curious about that. I hadn't heard from him, so I didn't, and I, I feel bad because I haven't been, I'm not caught up, but I knew he did the pre, and I didn't know if the post one was out yet. No, but it will be soon, so go check out the comic box feed, because it's fantastic. True. Um, with that, I think that's it for the week. Thanks for letting me rant a little bit about Iron Fist. I need to get that <laughs> off my chest. Um, you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. And we have our longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. If you want to get email updates about any of the network's podcasts, uh, you know, this one, the comment box, Geek Fitness Health Hacks, you can sign up at geek2geekcast.net and just tell us which shows you want to get emails about. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's Beej with two E's. And I blog and occasionally podcast at geekfitness.net. We've been Void and Beej with your Geek to Geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. <laughs> Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.